When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All, all, all Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that, that's spicy. All, all Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. All right, what's going on? Another episode of First and Foxborough. I'm Kyrie Thompson with mark daniels of the providence journal we just got back from practice a little bit ago got hopped up on some spicy chick-fil-a uh for for those of you who are down with that personally i think chick-fil-a for the most part's kind of mid but what are we gonna do it, it's free i gotta eat it I, how you feeling today you know what back in the day it used to be subway mm. so chick-fil-a is a huge upgrade it's a huge upgrade. So I'm, I'm doing good. I, I like I like the Chick-fil-A Wednesdays. I'm, I'm a fan. So, oh, yeah, most definitely. And, and I actually like the pizzas when, when they bust yeah. out the Papa Gino's as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 definitely down with with the Chick-fil-A Wednesday so far as well. With the Subway stuff, what did it used to be? Was just kind of like basic like sub clubs? It was never good food. Um, it was always like Italian or some version of Italian ham, turkey. And then like it was a veggie and a tuna. But there was honestly a day, I want to say a bunch of us got sick and we sort of rebelled against it and was essentially like, just give us pizza if Subway is the option. So there's some dirt on the Pat's beat that we rebelled against Subway. It Ooh. happened it was a while ago, but it, it happened. Like me and Jeff Howe led the charge. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Jeff Howe, now uh, na- he's gone national on us and everything. But uh, I, I was lucky enough to come in while both him and... And Doug Hyde were still uh, on the Patriots beat before they before they uh, big timed us and, and stuff and went national. All right, let let's let's get to the uh, to the big stuff uh, because the next thing I'm you know I was gonna say the next thing I'm gonna do if I keep on meandering is we're gonna like start talking about how crazy our like three nagers are driving oh, yeah. us, um, which we could do that. I feel like I do that with a lot of people on the podcast, but let, let's let's get to the news of the day, which is we just got back from Patriots practice. Mac Jones was there in full pads with the rest of the team moving a little bit better than he did last week and hearing all kinds of reports around here that he's pushing hard to play that he might be closer than than you know we than he was last week for sure and might even be closer than you think when when you saw, what did you think of him today moving around and what you saw from him in the limited time we had well, honestly this is the most we've seen him move around probably since the yeah. baltimore week i don't think it's um it hasn't been surprising to me that but we have not seen a lot of patriots practice we honestly we've seen mainly stretching and, you know, it's really hard to gauge what, what Mac Jones is doing when you see three minutes of a practice. Today, though, he was dropping back. He was throwing a bit more. That that was interesting. Another, I think, big key takeaway was that when the first Patriot period started, it was Bailey Zappi working with the offensive lineman at the other end of the field. Now, for those who don't know, that is usually what the starting quarterback does. It's essentially the quarterback working on his cadence, and it's when the, the entire offensive line will move. So, like, you know, Zappi will say hut, and the entire offensive line will move together. So they move up, and they do it over and over. Now, when that was happening, um, Gary Gilbert and Mac Jones were thrown together. I thought that was interesting, and to me, it made it look like 
Bailey Zappi was preparing to start. That was that was another one of my takeaways, other than the way Mac Jones was moving, which had looks I would say looked to be an improvement. Yes, and you know what? I thought the same thing when I when I saw him down there. It's something Mac Jones has has obviously been doing uh, this entire year, um, and it seems like Bailey Zappi is certainly preparing as if he's going to start. Now, does, what does that mean, right? And, and as as Bill Belichick said today, Bailey Zappi's play and Mac Jones's return to the field are independent. They've got nothing to do with each other. That's what he said. So that would suggest that when Mac Jones is healthy, he's coming back one way or another. But I, I want to actually talk about that, the, the way that practice was presented. Because first of all, we did get to see more of practice than we usually do. And it, it, it harkens back to two Fridays ago when that, that was the first week after Mac Jones was hurt. Yeah. And they immediately told us, oh, yeah, you can immediately tweet out the moment we walk in that Zach, that, that Mac Jones is at practice. And it made me think, oh, yeah, OK, they, they want the news out there, you know, to, to keep, you know, to, to kind of put that in, uh, you know, the whatever the Packers mind that, hey, like, you know, he might be available. Do you sense a sense of that that obfuscation mystery building with what they were doing today? Honestly, even even last week. Now, Mike Giardi reported that Mac Jones was leaving practice early last week. Um, I can pretty sure that's the case and i honestly think that last week was sort of smoke and mirrors with the patriots and mac jones i don't think mac jones was ever going to play you know this this past weekend i always think it was bailey zappy but it does behoove bill belichick and the patriots to make it seem like there's a chance so dan campbell and the lions would spend some amount of tape right on, on mac jones and apparently they did right he said that right so so with this week you know, if you're Bill, he's not going to tell us. And the reason is you want the Browns to prepare for both, prepare for the offense with Bailey Zappi, or how does it look with Mac Jones? Because it's it's sort of, it's different, right? The way they do it with Bailey Zappi, it's safer, safer plays, you know, safer passing plays, a lot more running. And with Mac Jones, you're going to take more deep shots. So you have to sort of prepare. But yeah, I think Bill Belichick kind of lives for this stuff with, you know, smoke and mirrors. What, what are we going to do? Speculation, don't give a real answer. And it's, it's all about you know, sort of playing in, in a way mind games, right? With the opposing team. Absolutely. And with that in mind, okay, so you said that it's going to look a little bit different, that it does look a little bit different with Bailey Zappi under center versus Mac Jones. I've seen people suggest the opposite, that, you know, there, there isn't much separation between the two quarterbacks. Um, and with that in mind, you know, the way Bailey Zappi has been playing the past couple of, of games, you should just roll with him until he loses a game or until you're sure Mac Jones is like a thousand percent healthy and, and, and such. And I've just been, I, I I'm loath in a way to continue to like keep on talking about it because to me, it's not a question to me. It's not a debate, but from your perspective, when you hear somebody say, Oh, what's the difference between the two of them might as well roll with Bailey Zappi. What goes through your mind in terms of what, wh when are we going to see Mac Jones? I'm going to try not to swear, swear on your podcast. But I think I, technically it's okay. So if you let one slip, but I can put explicit. <laughs> I I scream internally with that. Um, honestly, it's not close. They're not the same type of quarterbacks. They're not the same prospects. It is not close. So <clears throat> let's let's boil it down. Bailey Zappi had a solid, you know, first NFL start. He throws for 188 yards. He doesn't mess up too much. And frankly, he took the safer, easier throws, which he was coached to do. Bailey Zappi also threw for 188 yards against the worst defense in the NFL that was missing, what, five core guys from their secondary? That game against the Lions was 
really perfect for the Pats to win with a third-string rookie quarterback because their secondary was so depleted and their defense is so bad, and it's Dan Campbell. Everything just added to that. Now, if Mac Jones is in the game, he's probably throwing for 300 yards. And I think Mac Jones is just – he's such a better prospect. There's a reason why he went in the first round at number 15. And I think when I hear like, oh, well, Mac Jones, is there a quarterback controversy? Will Mac Jones lose his job to Bailey Zappi? I'm like, do you people have amnesia? Because last year, Mac Jones put up one of the best rookie seasons for a quarterback in NFL history. And that's not even hyperbole. It's the truth. He is the winningest rookie quarterback in NFL history. No other rookie quarterback has won more games than Mac Jones did as a rookie. Like, think about that. He took over a team that was seven and nine, and he wasn't playing with a pro bowler on offense. Like, what he did last year, 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Those are top 10 numbers for rookie quarterbacks ever. And I know I was mentioning to you, before the podcast, and this is why I'm ranting, Mac Jones, his 3,800 yards last year, that is the fifth best all-time for rookie quarterbacks. So put it this way. There are only four quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, in well, NFL why history. Name, why don't you go ahead and name They're them off? Andrew Luck, Justin Herbert, Cam Newton, and Jameis Winston. That's it. Those are the only rookie quarterbacks to have thrown for more passing yards. Now, if you're looking for a completion percentage, he completed, Mac Jones was 67.56% last year. That is the second best all-time behind Dak Prescott for rookie quarterback. Mac Jones, I think he showed to me that he was a top 15 quarterback. The goal this year was to get him to top 10. It's been a rough start. Let's not forget what happened, though. So, yeah, I scream internally when people bring up the QB controversy because there is none. There, there is none. When Mac Jones is ready to go, it's it's his job. And in the event, Bailey Zappi turns out to say, Bailey Zappi, say in a year he does. Somehow he magically turns out to be better than Mac Jones. It's great for the Pats because they then could trade one of their quarterbacks, one of the young quarterbacks for a high pick. But, no, there's no controversy for me. No. And, and you know, the, the thing that, that gets me to is that, look, I understand that not everybody has the same amount of access that we do. But we we watched this the, these two guys all summer. And, yeah, the, it was a struggle at certain points yeah. for, for the number one offense. But, I mean, there were times where Bailey Zappi, like, he, did, he didn't complete a pass. But there were times where there were whole segments where Bailey Zappi would not complete a pass. He was throwing the ball off the football field. You know what I mean? And and so yes. and so it, and he's improved since then. I'm not saying that he hasn't improved and that he didn't get better with time. He turned the ball over in preseason too. One touchdown, three interceptions in the preseason. People forgot about that. And and what we saw in training camp, you just mentioned, there were times he couldn't hit a simple like ten yard out route. It almost reminded me of Cam Newton in a sense where Bailey Zappi had a really strong arm this summer, but he struggled on those short to intermediate passes where he was thrown at like ninety miles an hour. And I'm like, look at a guy like him. I'm like, all right, he has a big live arm. He needs to work on his touch. He needs to work on his accuracy. But, you know, he's an undersized fourth-round pick. And, and really, I think one thing he did show was the Pats probably have a capable backup. And they have probably a long-term replacement for Brian Horror, which is great. But let's let's not act like he's the second coming of Dan Marino just yet. Or, or the second coming of Tom Brady, because that's what everyone wants to talk about, right? It's like, oh, this is like a Bledsoe-Tom Brady situation. It's like, it's really not. Um, and, and I think the other thing is, when, when I just think about what I remember from Mac Jones last year, you, you mentioned throwing the ball 90 miles an hour. Mac Jones just came into the league with with an idea of, okay, I'm going to throw a touch ball here. And it's yeah. like, okay, I, I got to put a little bit more on this one. Like, yeah, was the arm great? No. But it was fine. It was serviceable. And you just got the feeling like the dude just knew how to come in and play quarterback. The, the way that I think about it is this. You got you know, young quarterbacks. He showed he could play as a rookie. Not only showed he could play, he showed he could play really well. Like, one of, as you said, one of the best rookie quarterbacks of all time. And then, okay, you cleared that, that barrier. You can play in the NFL. You can start in the NFL. 
Now can you be really good slash elite in the NFL? But that step is is much takes much more time on average, right? You, you can't just figure that out by the, you know, what three starts into year two. And, and that's what's driving me nuts about all the second year quarterbacks. Everybody's I mean, got to say, who's the guy right now? You can't do it to me. And part of it with right now with this Patriots team is, is losing Josh McDaniels and replacing him with, yeah. you know, Joe judge and Matt Patricia that there's, there's this hurdle they have to get. It's, they keep saying it's, it's a learning experience. There are these hiccups they're having. We saw the, when we saw Mac in the offense struggle in the summer in the preseason, I never thought the quarterback's the problem. I thought, hey, these guys aren't on the same page. And I think they're going just through some some learning difficulties with the new coaching setup, with the new system change. Like <clears throat> the worst thing you can do for a young quarterback is change his offensive coordinator. Yeah. Because <clears throat> he needs continuity. Yeah. You know, he he really needs that stuff. We don't have that. Josh McDaniels was a good coach. He's he's in Las Vegas now. But um, I think that's one thing that people really haven't been talking about when it comes to Zappi and Mac Jones is that like, hey, there's a learning curve here. Things are different for Mac Jones. And some of it's been a struggle. But some of it, like some of the mistakes he's made or he made over the first three weeks, those are things he was coached to do, right, Kyrie? He was coached to throw the ball deeper, just more. He's throwing more deep balls. He's throwing more 50-50 balls. And that has led to more interceptions. I don't look at that as like, you know, you throw into triple coverage or you don't see the linebacker, which has happened with Mac. I look at, you know, when you're throwing at 50-50 to Devontae Parker and he gets picked, he's being told to do that. So I don't look at that as saying, oh, Mac Jones is regressing. I'm saying, hey, they're working out the kinks to this new offense. And I think you're right. He needs an entire season with Matt Patricia to get this stuff down. And really the unfortunate part of the injury is I think it has stunted his growth in the new offense to a certain extent because the only thing that's going to help him is repetition, right? Is game experience. Yes. And we're unfortunately with Mac, you know, we're going to have to wait the entire season to really see how it yeah. plays out. It's hard to do that with our jobs, right? We all want this snap judgment. Is Mac better right now? Well, ask me in January. You know, I think that's sort of when we'll we'll find out. I mean, if you're doing it right, you know, because in, in the end, right, like as you mentioned, we want to be the first ones to know, okay, we knew this guy wasn't it or this guy was it. And so then you could, you could kind of have that. But if, if you're doing it right and you're really evaluating this as, as thoroughly as possible, you need more data, which means you got to get all the way to the end of the year. And, and I mean, we got to see how healthy Mac Jones can stay yeah. as, as we're going through that process. And, and again, what does a deep ball look like for Mac Jones? What do downfield throws look like for Mac Jones? To me, it's madness to be like, okay, we spent all offseason saying, oh yeah, we got to see if Mac Jones can can you know grow past just being a singles hitter. And and now that Bailey Zappi's had a little bit of success against bad defenses as as a singles hitter, well now we got to ask Mac Jones to downgrade his game and play like that. It's like, okay, then guess what? You're still going to get blown out by the Buffalo Bills. Guess what? That's that's what's going to happen. It's an interesting thing you bring up too because I think one thing with, you know, when you see the way the offense looked with Bailey Zappi, I think there is an argument to say, should Mac, should Mac Jones and Matt Patricia sort of reevaluate? And I'm not saying run the Bailey Zappi game plan. Mm -hmm. We are running 40 times a game or whatever it was. <clears throat> Maybe do you go back to some of the shorter safe throws? Mm -hmm. Because that's how Mac was taught to do it under Josh McDaniels, right? You take what the defense gives yep. you. You make adjustments at the line. Mm -hmm. With Matt Patricia, it was take more chances. So I wonder, you know, when when Mac comes back, maybe even with the ankle, maybe he does, maybe he does take less chances. You know, it's interesting that you're right. They're they're not going to run the offense like they did with Bailey Zappi under Mac Jones.
But I, I do wonder, you know, in order to cut down some of the turnovers, will they bring back some of those safer throws? It's a, it's a really interesting question. You're right with, with the Buffalo Bills and some of the teams that are in the league, they put up, they can score 30 to 40 in a heartbeat. Like this team has the Patriots. They're out there scoring 98 yard touchdowns. They can score from literally anywhere. The Patriots right now are having trouble getting in the end zone. Like the red zone offense is a trouble. It was a problem with Mac Jones and it's been a problem with Bailey Zappi. You know, I don't know if this team can score 30. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe the key is to keep throwing those deep balls when Matt comes back. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's interesting, man. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to be really intrigued to find out. Because, look, quick short throws, quick game, Matt Jones can do that. Yeah. And it's one of those things that maybe help you get in a rhythm. Like, okay, I, I've seen I've seen a couple of passes get completed. Like, okay, I feel good. And then, then we can start ramping things up. I feel like that could be beneficial. We might see as early as this week. I don't know. I don't know about that, but I feel like by Monday night football, a couple weeks from now, I I, I think I'm kind of circling that on the calendar. And that's the thing too. When like Mike Giardi reported today that yep. you know there's still some instability in the ankle. Right when I hear that, I'm like, don't play. Yep. Right. And and like I, I get you know it's, well you know Bailey Zappi played well and all that's it's not even a, for me it's not even about how Bailey Zappi played. Yep. It's about it's about Mac Jones. It's about his future because. If the Patriots are going to be successful as an organization, they need Mac Jones to develop. You don't want you don't want him to get injured worse. That, that's the worst thing that could happen is you bring him back and someone land Miles Garrett lands on his ankle and he's he's out even more. Let, let the guy heal so there's there's no risk to this. I think that's the best way to handle a young promising quarterback, even if it costs you a win this weekend. Like I don't even think the Patriots are let's be honest, the Pats aren't in a position where they're gonna win a Super Bowl, in, in my opinion. The best thing they can do is develop the younger players on the team so they can try to put themselves in position to make a run in the future. But that really hinges on Mac Jones, right, and his development. So let's not stunt it with, you know, re-injuring or re-aggravating an ankle injury or high ankle sprain. Agreed. Now, let's pivot to a couple of those other young players that you're talking about because there were a couple of them that stood out. Let's talk about Ramondre Stevenson first because Man. that brother was doing some stuff last Sunday that I just, I, I was shaking my head at points because I don't know how he has this ability. Like, I mean, for, forget about the part where he, he's making like two or three guys miss like, like in succession, just, just with a flurry of moves, but he's, he's, he's stumbling forward and cutting at the same time and just finding open space. It's like, he's got eyes in the back on the top, on the sides of his head. Ramondre is just such an impressive running back prospect. I remember talking to him this summer in training camp and he, he spent really a bulk of this off season learning how to do blitz pickup and running more routes. So like he saw, he tried to turn himself into a third down back while also showing that he can be a first and second down back. It, it creates sort of this just, I don't know, monster, right? Because you can play him on all three downs and he can help you in all three downs. He has some really nice blitz pickups in, in the Lions game, and I think that's really big. One on the goal line, where, where right? they, they were backed up and they went shotgun, and that was the more Bailey yep. Zappi completes it to Jacoby Myers. Uh, I don't, I don't remember what linebacker it was, but Stevenson lit him up. So, like when you have Ramondre in the field now, it's not necessarily that they're going to run because he can catch the ball out of the backfield and he can stay and pick up the blitz. It just it makes you less predictable as an offense. Mm -hmm. It's it's really fun. Like don't get me wrong, I, I don't I think people sort of um have underestimated Damian Harris to yeah. a certain extent. I mean, he ran for like 950 and 15 touchdowns last year. That's really impressive. Damian Harris has been a good running back, but when he's on the field, you kind of know they're going to run the ball, right? He doesn't really catch the ball out of the backfield. Like conversely, when James White was on the field, you kind of knew it was a pass play. 
give me a guy like Ramondre Stevenson where you don't know. I love it because it's going to make it harder on a defense. So, yeah, I, I love what Ramondre brings. What, what an exciting prospect. Great pick. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what? I remember when people said this last year, and I feel proud of this. I don't know. Maybe I just have a gift for running backs because I identified Jordan Howard in Chicago nice. after one training camp practice. So like, that's the best running back on the team. When, when, when Ramondre Stevenson was drafted, the immediate thought was, oh, yeah, red shirt year because of uh, you know, all the running backs that are on the roster. I took one look at that guy's tape. I was like, oh, no, that guy can play. Oh, that guy can play now. And, and I remember how much Ivan Fierce and Josh McDaniels were ripping him, just just on the field, just screaming at him for, for messing up a blitz pickup or, you know, so some kind of protection issue. And, and it's like, it made me think like, I think they want this guy to play. And then he just obliterates Miles Bryan at one point, like the first time he like gets a touch in a live practice and the way it got the team hyped up, I was like, Ooh, this, this guy is something. Did you see the play with Alex Anzalone who tried, tried to line him up on, on the pitch? Yeah. He, he really thought he had him and Ramondre just, ate that that hit and put Anzalone on the ground. I think one thing Bill Belichick has done really well is get running backs in the system that, that work. You go back, you know, go back 10 years ago, even when, you know, he drafted Stephen, Stephen Ridley came in, ran for like, what, 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns or something one year. And like Ben Jarvis Greenellis was an undrafted guy who ran for 1,000 yards. Getting LeGarrette Blunt here, he had a great year and ran for 18 touchdowns. They, just, they do a good job of identifying running back. Honestly, even Sony Michelle, his first couple of years, yeah. he you know, helped you win the Super Bowl, ran for over 900 yards two years in a row. Like, they do a really good job of getting those backs in here. But honestly, Ramontra has a chance to be better than all of them just mm -hmm. because of what he can do in the passing game. Yes, I agree. Now, in kind of keeping with the with the offense for a minute before I skip over to defense, because I got one guy I really want to talk about on the defensive side of the ball. But the offensive line got a lot of flack in training camp for their inability to open up holes in the run game. Just look, everything looked disjointed, um, missed blocking assignments all over the place. Since they've gotten into the season, particularly since week one, kind of getting that out of the way, the running game has gotten better every single week. What have you been seeing from, from them? And in particular, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of talk about Isaiah Wynn and what he's been doing wrong, but I want to talk about Trent Brown and what he's been doing right, because he has quietly been one of the best left tackles in football. Well, uh, Devin McCourty told us after the game that this summer he told Matthew Judon and Trent Brown that they have abilities to do things other people can't do. And I, I think that's it was really enlightening to me. Because Trent Brown, when healthy, when motivated, could honestly be this best player on offense. He is a Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber tackle. You need that, you know, and he's just he has the ability to dominate. Like seeing him flex his muscles when they're in the run game oh, uh, in Green it. Bay. He wants it. Right. That's what you want to see. And I think really the offensive line starts with him because he's so big. He's so dominant. But even like Michael Owen was having you know a good season. I think, you know, Cole Strange, I think he's proven a lot of people wrong because he's coming in here. He started from day one. He hasn't been an issue. David Andrews is a very good center. I, Isaiah Wynn is, is sort of been the guy, right? He's been sort of the, the person people are beating up on. And I get it. A seven seven penalties is too much. You know, I think he leads the Patriots in sacks allowed. It's it's yeah, it's, allowed, yeah. it's too much. There were times though on Sunday in the run game, Isaiah Wynn looked good. You know, and he has shown in the past. Like, let's be honest. Before this year, the thing on Isaiah Wynn was not his ability; it was his health. Like when Isaiah Wynn's been on the field in the past, he was a good right tackle. He was solid. You you won with Isaiah Wynn. He didn't really hold you back. And seeing him, you know, flip from what left tackle to right tackle, I, I think there's been a a learning curve for him there because he's just making a lot of mistakes right now that he hasn't in the past. Like, I don't think he's, 
I don't I don't remember ever looking at the offensive line back. Oh, Isaiah wins the problem, other than the fact he couldn't stay healthy. And this year it's been more about his play. So I wonder how much the change from you know yeah. left to right, all, all that stuff has sort of messed him a little bit. But if he can just cut down on the penalties, you know, th- this group has a you know a chance to be to be very good because you know, you need them to be good. You need to, if Bailey's happy again this weekend, you have to protect them. And when Mac Jones back, let's, let's be honest, you have to protect him because my biggest concern with the offensive line going into the summer was, are they communicating well enough to protect the quarterback? And we saw Mac Jones suffer two injuries in three weeks. And then through week four, we saw three quarterback injuries, right? Through four weeks with Brian Horace concussion. You have to cut that stuff out, limit your free brushers, but yeah, man, in the run, they've been dominant. No no question about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been, you know, with Cole Strange, the fact they, they lead him through on a lot of these power plays. Actually, the, the one that Ramondre Stevenson had the big run on, it was Cole Strange leading through. And so I, I think that it, it's been interesting to see them answer the questions about the run game which i thought would happen eventually like i mean there were two there there was too much talent on the offensive line for them to be bad at running the football all season long and and i think they've they've been showing that which is obviously a good sign but i think a lot of it is going to depend on when they are trying to take some of those bigger shots with mac jones down the line because what 70 percent of bailey zappy's passes have come within 10 yards it's like you're he's not holding on to the ball very long when you got to hold on to the ball a little bit longer and you're facing some pressures, obviously that was a big deal earlier on. We will see how that goes. But let's shift over to defense because you got two guys over there. So I, I was going to talk about Jack Jones, but you brought but you brought up Matthew Judon and the fact that he once again looks like the best player on the team right now. And they they you know get a big play from him when when they need it, right? I mean it's the game's still in the balance at the point where he gets that strip sack on Jared Goff. And basically he said like, look, they turned me loose on that play. They let me go. And he makes the play that breaks the game open. Matthew Judon is so good. He's, you know, he's like a freak of nature. He's what six sacks and five games. It, you, you talk about winning in this league and, you know, do the Pats invest in really good players? Well, they've invested in some really good players because they gave Matthew Judon a big contract and he's produced. He's the way he's playing right now. It's um, he's a problem, you know, uh, on the opposing for the opposing offense. It's like, what else can I really say about him other than he's just so fun to watch up in the press box? He just dominates. You put one or you put two guys on him, you you still can't contain him. He's said to us, and he's been saying it sort of the last couple months, he needs to stay healthy Mm -hmm. and he needs to stay fit on his conditioning. Like last year, I want to say he he didn't have really many, he didn't have any sacks in the last what four or five games, and that was an issue for the Pats. And I think you know, he needs to last the entire season because. You know, let's be honest, even if he sort of slows down in December, January, he's still going to earn those Pro Bowl honors and all that stuff. He's that good. But if he can keep this pace up, man, it's um, it's going to be quite something. Yeah, and I, I really liked him in Baltimore. I thought he was a good player. Now he's starting to transition into a really good player. Slash an elite player. I and mean, people a- asking the question about who are your elite players. <laughs> I mean, I'll put it this way. When that fourth and nine was happening, I looked up and thought, I think Matthew Judon is going to make a play. I think I think he's going to get a sack on this. He does. I didn't see the strip sack coming, but he he delivered in that moment where it was like this is Matthew Judon time and he did it. And I remember thinking that last year during the the Tampa game where he had a late sack on Tom Brady where it was like this is Matthew Judon time. Let's see what he can do. And it's funny cuz he got off the ball late uh, I, I remember on that one, he got up like a tick late and he still beats the guy and gets a sack. That That's the kind of stuff that he can do. He's that good. And you need, you need players like that in the NFL to win. 
you know, they, they lost JC Jackson, who's a Pro Bowl cornerback. But let's be honest, with the way their front seven is playing, you know, your your deep your secondary doesn't need as long to cover. And that's it's part of the equation, right? Even going to the guy you mentioned, Jack Jones. I mean, <clears throat> Jack Jones is not a perfect rookie cornerback. Um, there's still some things in coverage. He gets turned around a little bit, but man, his ball skills are incredible. Um, the way he reads like passes yeah. and like breaks off his route, like his interception against on Jared Goff, that wasn't his, you know, he wasn't covering TJ Hawkinson, but he, he read the route, right? He read the pass play, right? He broke off the guy he was covering, jumped it. And as Bill Belichick said, looked like a receiver getting those feet down. He's been really fun to watch. And um, <clears throat> you, you look at it and you say, wow, another young cornerback that the Pats sort of hit on. I know I feel like people get on Belichick in the Pats draft a lot for some of these second-round corners. We can go down the list, you know, Cyrus Jones and Duke Dawson, those guys. But, man, there's been some good ones, you know, even some late undrafted guys, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, Malcolm Butler. But Jack Jones, fourth-round pick, he he looks like a keeper. Yeah, and you know what? You, You mentioned Jonathan Jones. Right now you have, at least by some of the grades, two of the better outside cornerbacks in football right now, at least in terms of coverage grades. Obviously, we know Jack Jones isn't tackling very well, um, and that's something that you can sort of take advantage of. But in terms of single coverage and and obviously seeing what Jones did in in zone coverage right there, I mean, they were trying to bait him. They were trying to get him off his spot, and he refused. He was just like, look, I'm like, he he wrote it, wrote it, wrote it, and then he took his eyes to to Jared Goff and and made the play. Like, that's, that's advanced stuff from a rookie right there. His, his instincts, as you said, the ball skills are, are outstanding, but again, cornerback felt like the, the position that a lot of us thought was going to be bad. And, and, and now, and now they, they have Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones playing at a high level. And you saw a little bit more of Marcus Jones getting his feet wet. And maybe that, that will also turn around. And I think we shouldn't forget about Jalen Mills. And he's a guy that Patriots fans love to sort of hate on. And I don't think he deserves it. No, he doesn't because this summer your best cornerback in camp was Jalen Mills. Mm -hmm. And the reason you're not seeing it or haven't seen it right yet is because he's hurt. Like he he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. He's been limited. I I don't think he's been able to run at full speed. And like he didn't play again in green Bay. He played a little bit this past week against Detroit. But when Jalen Mills is healthy, he's, he's a good piece, but you're right. Kyrie, we sort of said, how do the Patriots replace JC Jackson when they don't have a, you know, a legit number one cornerback, they have a lot of cornerbacks who are playing well. Like I, I take these coverage grades all the time. And like, honestly, a lot of the guys are around this, around the same, like they're, they're sort of around the low 50% in terms of like, what, what's the quarterback completion percentage against, you know, Jonathan Jones and miles, Bryan, Jalen, Jalen Mills. It's all in the lows to mid 50% right now. Jack Jones is interesting to me. The past two weeks, quarterbacks are three and nine on him, which is ridiculous. It's, it's a small sample size, but yeah. I really like what they have going on at cornerback. I mean, let's also be honest. I didn't see them playing Jonathan Jones on the outside until it happened in training camp. That was yeah. a great call from the coaching staff. Yeah, and you know what? It's a, In that case, I think it was as simple as, look, we want to get this guy on the field. We need you over here. You're one of our better cornerbacks. This is just where we've got to play you. And he's repaid it excellently he's been competitive and covered yeah he's he's undersized got mossed by like dj moore at one point during right. joint practices against the panthers but by and large he's just right there he's always right there always got it like even he got beat by aaron Rodgers on a couple of throws he's still right there you know it's, it took a perfect throw to to beat him on that play it's like he's just been doing everything that you want from him i gotta say one position group that i think has just not been good and a lot of people no, hasn't been good as linebacker. 
And yet you saw some positive strides against the Lions, albeit it's the Lions and truth, truthfully, like, yeah, number one scoring offense, but I never trusted them for a second. So when when you look at that, I mean, how much is is that debt is that position going to be a detriment with all the other more positive stuff that we've been seeing? It's it's a bit of a concern for me. And you're right, they played well in Detroit. I, I think they have some interesting guys. Like Jawan Bentley has sort of become indispensable because I think he's by far your best middle linebacker. Yeah. Um <clears throat> Jelani's vibe didn't didn't look bad in Detroit. Yeah. Mac Wilson has the ability and the speeds that should make you salivate. I, I think the patch just need to figure out how to use him correctly. And I think with Mac Wilson, it's about not overcommitting, knowing yes. when to go full speed. But Mac Wilson has game-changing speed for a linebacker. So they have really intriguing guys. I, I do wonder, you know, as we approach the trade deadline, I forget when it is. It's, I feel like it's coming November up. November right? 1st. It's November 1st. <clears throat> if you're the Patriots, do you look for a middle linebacker or linebacker help? And if not, next year, do you sign someone in free agency or the draft? Because I feel like that is sort of a glaring position where like, all right, I don't know if you have an impact player. And, you know, it's it's hard to replace some of the veteran guys like Kyle Van Noy and, you know, Dante Hightower. They, they've changed their linebackers so much. Um, we'll see. Is it a detriment? I think it has been at certain points this year. It wasn't in Detroit, but going up against Cleveland's different, right? Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are very good. You have to hit the right gaps. You have to, you know, make the right tackles, the right the right reads. And if you don't, you're going to get a run up, run up on. The Browns have the number one rushing offense in the NFL. They're like, or I want to say around 194 yards per game. <laughs> Insane. So, you know, what the, what the Pats did against Detroit, great. What the linebackers did, great. Let's see it against Cleveland. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the funny thing is I've been mentioning this to a couple of different people is that the, the Patriots are about to face two offenses that are very good at running the football. I mean, obviously Cleveland's the best. And then Chicago actually runs the ball pretty well. But neither one of those teams can stop the run at all. And then it's funny because the Patriots are exactly the same. They also can't stop the run, but they they but they run very well. So it's it, it's like the Spider-Man meme. Yeah. It's going to be the Spider-Man meme for the next two weeks for, for both of these next couple of opponents. Mark Daniels, Providence Journal. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Had a blast. This has been good. Absolutely fun.